The overwhelmed brain is much more enjoyable when you tell two friends, and, and they, they tell two friends, and, and they, they tell two friends, and so on, and so on, and so on. Are you annoyed so by affirmations? Are you tired of being told to think positively? Everything you need is right inside of you. All you have to do is eat right, exercise, get enough sleep, and all your problems will go away. If affirmations feel like lies and positive thinking feels like denial, then get ready to start creating the life you've always wanted now. Hello, this is Paul Coliani, personal empowerment coach and host of this show called The Overwhelmed Brain. This is the personal growth show for the critical thinker. On every episode, we'll talk about, well, I guess it won't be every episode. <laughs> On most episodes, we'll talk about practical down-to-earth steps to help you improve your mood and keep you sane in this powerful journey we call life. I guess we do talk about that in every episode so i want to help you bridge the gap between your emotions and reason causing you to discover why you do the things you do and what you can do to reach higher levels of happiness and lower levels of stress and overwhelm and if you're here to learn more common sense tips to improve your life well you may need to upgrade your podcast player because this is the direct path to uncommon sense and that's why it's going to help you learn heal grow and evolve all right, we're going to talk about something that I want to address right up front. And I always love to address these things right up front, make it the most prevalent part of the show, which is the critical or bad review of the overwhelmed brain. Yes, I got a one star review in iTunes and I love to read these on the air and I don't know, process it in real time and talk about it because not only are bad reviews a good indicator of what people are getting from the show, but they also can help shape the show for a lot of people or not because you can't please everyone. And sometimes what people expect from the show aren't always what they get. So I like to read these on the air and see where I go with it. And this will be fun. Let's, let's see what happens. <laughs> the title of the review is overwhelmed brain is underwhelming. And I get one star. <laughs> and the review is by Taurus Familia, I think. And uh, he or she says, what a disappointment. This podcast had so much potential, but in 15 minutes of listening, the host still hasn't gotten to the topic. Keeps describing what he'll be talking about, but hasn't yet gotten to it. All filler and fluff. If you don't have enough content, shorten the episode. Frustrating and underwhelming. Sorry, but this listener won't be back. Well, there you go. <laughs> so this is one of those, uh, I listened to one show out of the 170 that you've done, and I am unsatisfied. Therefore, I'm not going to give you another chance. Now I'm over-interpreting <laughs> here, and uh, I, I want to talk about this for a couple reasons. One I love the idea that a first impression is someone's last impression. And when you come to the table with something and they look at 0.01% of that something and make an assessment of the 99.99% of what you are giving to the world, 
that to me sounds like maybe jumping to conclusions a little bit. So there's that. It's it's like um, I've mentioned this before, but I used to watch The X-Files. And there was one episode of The X-Files that uh, was in black and white and it was done like that film noir style, I think. I think that's how it was. But it was a unique episode. It, it was something they did that was a little different from the other episodes. And if I had never seen The X-Files and I tuned in to that one episode and I go, wow, this is what The X-Files is? I'm not going to watch this again. Then, of course, they're not going to have me as a viewer. That makes perfect sense because if I only assess and judge the one time I see it, then I'm going to move on and I probably will never look back. And then when somebody talks about the X-Files, I can go, oh, yeah, that show sucks. <laughs> and they're going to go, they're going to go, what? I love this show. Don't you like sci-fi? And I'll go, of course I like sci-fi. And then they'll go, well, why don't you like that? And I was like, I don't know. I just, I'm not into black and white and film noir style and things like that. And they'll be like, what the heck are you talking about? And then I'll be like, what do you mean? And then they'll explain to me the, the rest of the episodes aren't like that. It was just that one episode. So I'm thinking, okay, there's that possibility that this reviewer, well, I guess it's real because there's no possibility. He said or she said in 15 minutes of listening to this episode, host still hasn't gotten to the topic. Well, let me give you a little bit of inside information. Everything I talk about here has a purpose. Everything. Even this segment sounds like filler, but there's something to it. There is an agenda. I have an agenda about talking about what I talk about. I don't come on the air and say, oh, this morning I got out of bed and then I brushed my teeth. Oh, you should have, oh, this toothpaste was amazing. It had this mint flavor. And then after I brushed my teeth, I took a shower. That to me might be more filler <laughs> or fluff. Uh, so I don't do that unless there's a purpose. Not that I'm trying to defend myself against this um, criticism, but maybe there's a little bit in there. Because when you have a percentage of a whole, uh, like one tiny little bit, like for example, if you saw someone's hairstyle and you judged their entire personality on their hairstyle, it might not be a fair assessment. It might not be an objective viewpoint because what you're doing is referring to people that you've met in your past that had similar hairstyles and are making probably a judgment based on that going, well, the people I knew in my past who had that hairstyle are, are like this. So obviously this person is going to be like this too. So let me make a judgment about them. And then from this point on, that's what I'll always think about them if I choose to even talk to them. So I think when we jump the gun or jump to a conclusion like that, we're not giving someone or something a fair chance to disappoint us. <laughs> if, I can, if I can say it that way. Let's give someone a chance to disappoint us and let's see where it goes. Now, on the flip side of that, I do believe that our subconscious mind is very good at picking up signals. We may not like someone's hairstyle and then come to the conclusion that we don't like that person, but maybe our subconscious mind is picking up something else and they just happen to have the same hairstyle that someone else had that we didn't like, for example. Maybe our subconscious mind is picking up 
body language that we don't trust or voice inflection that we don't trust or something else. So there is that too. Now, when it comes to podcast episodes and things like that, then you might have a different perspective of how to view it, how to judge it. But to come to a podcast like this one, it's been in production for almost three years now. And to know that there's an entire backlog of episodes and any one of them could be judged on its own merit to make the assessment that the entire show, the entire uh, combination of episodes that make up the show is like what this reviewer said might be a little unfair. Now, aside from that, here's something we can take away from this. We have a person that is mentioning something that they perceive about the show. Even if it's one episode, let's, let's just say it's okay to assess an entire range of episodes by the, the one that you hear. Like, for example, someone right now is listening to The Overwhelmed Brain for the first time. This episode is their first exposure to it. And they're probably thinking, when are you going to start talking about anxiety? <laughs> so it, they may have expectations. You know, they're looking at the uh, title of the episode and going, when does this show begin? So they might see this part as filler also. But I have an agenda. There's a reason I talk about this stuff. And there's a purpose to the way I present it. There's always a purpose behind what I do. I don't have enough time in my life to talk about things that aren't driven by some sort of agenda. Like I have to have some sort of agenda to continue doing what I do and hopefully helping the number of people I help. So if you're a new listener, I want you to do me a favor and listen to a minimum of three episodes before you tell the world how bad this show is. <laughs> and you have every right to do it. So back to what I was going to say about the second part of this is even though they only criticized uh, the show based on one episode, it's still good feedback. It's still, even, even if they're completely wrong, it gives me an opportunity to assess what I'm doing, to go back in my mind and think about, hmm, do I have a lot of fluff? It's possible. It's possible right now this is fluff to someone. Someone might be going, yeah, 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 I know this stuff. Can you get beyond this? This is all fluff. It's quite possible. So how, how much am I going to take it to heart? And how much am I going to change what I'm doing, if at all? And is it even worth changing because I couldn't satisfy one person? So here's, here's the agenda <laughs> that I'm, that's driving my monologue right now. You're going to get critics in your life. You're going to get people that don't like you, that don't like what you do, that don't like how you talk, how you dress, how you look. You're going to have them. You're going to have 100 supporters and one criticizer. <laughs> I mean, you could have 10 supporters and one criticizer. It doesn't matter. There's going to be a, a massive ratio between the supporters and the criticizers. And we all know what happens. We get pumped up when people are complimenting us and telling us that we're pretty or handsome or nice or a good person in some way. We get pumped up. But then one person comes along and says, I don't like you. Or they say, 
I don't know how you're succeeding there because you're terrible at what you do. They're going to say something that really hits us in the heart. And it's always going to be unexpected. It's always going to be like, wow, what did I do to deserve this? I've been working so hard. I've been trying to make the world a better place. I mean, you may not say that, but you'll come up with something like, wow, that hurt. You won't get it out of your mind. You'll be thinking about it constantly. Like, oh, yeah, but what about, what about all those compliments that you received? Yeah, those are great and all, but that one person, that one person I didn't even know that doesn't know me, that said something that wasn't even true, or maybe it is, and this is part of my agenda, is that sometimes when we go inside and feel hurt by what someone says, we must believe it a tad, just a little bit. There must be some belief about ourselves or about what they said that must be in us because that's how we reacted. If we react negatively, if, for example, when I read this review, I felt it. I was like, oh, all this work I do and wow, they listened to one episode and now they're judging the entire show and giving me one star and basically telling the world, don't listen to this show. It's terrible. It's all fluff. And that makes me think, wow, who's going to read that review and not get what they need? I mean, I don't believe I have all the answers, but I believe that this can be beneficial to a lot of people. But I did go to a place right after I read it and, and thought, wow, that hurt. One star and the show is underwhelming. And so I have to think, okay, how does this affect me? How, why does this affect me? And then I have to go inside and figure out what about this uh, feels bad. What about this feels bad? And the first thought that comes to mind is it takes me two to three days to create an entire episode of this show. And I've been doing it for several years. And this is the type of, um, this is the feedback I get for it. And then I think, wait, there's 185 ratings as of this time that are 98% positive. So why should this one even matter? And so I had to go back even further in myself and go, what about this is so bad? I mean, how, how is this affecting me? And I think what happens is the people pleaser inside of me, <laughs> deep, deep inside of me, feels bad that I couldn't please this one person. So out of thousands of people that listen every day, I couldn't please this one person. Now, what does that do inside of you when you have um, good feedback, compliments, or even nothing, like you have no feedback, but one person criticizes you. Where do you go with that? And then what do you do with it? Well, I think the, one of the most important steps to take when this happens is to remember that when someone is being critical towards you, it is something that they have yet to process in themselves. In other words, if someone has a judgment about you, or what you do, or what you say, or how you look. The only reason they're judging is because they have some sort of negativity inside themselves that they haven't processed yet. Well, I shouldn't say that's the only reason, but one of the main reasons is they have something going on inside of them that they haven't yet processed. Because what's the purpose behind criticizing or judging someone else? What's the purpose behind that? Is it to make them feel bad? Or is it to make you feel better? Or maybe a little bit of both? I don't know. What's the purpose behind it? 
if it makes you feel better to criticize someone, then that comes back to something inside of you that, that needs to be explored. Some sort of emotional, something that you haven't let go. Something that's repressed in there, maybe. Or if it's to make them feel bad, it still comes back to you. Something that you need to explore and maybe process and release. Or let's just say it's to improve someone else. Like you criticize someone so that they'll improve. It still comes back to you. Yes, you want them to improve because of something that you want. Now, if they ask for it, like, give me your critical view of this. If they ask for it, then, you're, you know, you have a little bit more leeway to share that stuff or a lot more leeway. But if they don't ask for it and you just come out with it, like, you should stop smoking. That's bad for you. Did they ask for that? <laughs> with me in this review of the show, I'm asking for it. <laughs> I'm putting myself on the air in front of the entire world and asking to be judged. You may have heard me say that before. I want to be judged. I want to put myself out there and be as vulnerable as possible so that people will hear my voice, see my website, see whatever I put out into the world and judge me. Why do I want that? Why would anybody want that? Because it makes me resilient and it forces me to look inward about how I feel about things. I think for, for the most part, most of us don't want to be judged. We walk around in fear of being judged. I, I have a couple letters sitting in my inbox right now about general anxiety disorder. And they walk into a room full of people. And the first thing that's on their mind when they get anxious is, I don't want to be judged. I don't want people to look at me and think certain things. When I take the approach of, you know what? Walk into that room and be judged. Make that your purpose. <laughs> Why would I say that? That's not a good idea. Well, here's the thing. When you put yourself out there, the more you do it and the more you're open to it, the less it happens. Now, I may be simplifying things here and maybe even exaggerating a little bit, but this has happened to me over and over again. The more I put myself out there, the more vulnerable I am with people, the less judgment comes through, the less critical observation comes through. You're still going to have people that do it. There's no denying it because people need and want to express what's going on inside of them and project it onto you. I feel negative and I'm going to make sure that you know that what you're doing is negative. There's just some sort of communication that needs to take place in them to make them, I don't know, feel better about themselves. But this is what you can do is just you put yourself out there and choose to be vulnerable. I know it's not easy, <laughs> but the more you do it, not only will you get more resilient, but you'll also learn so much about yourself because emotions will come up. You may not like them, but it gives you a chance to go, where do these emotions come from? What do I need to do to address these emotions and process them? It's like when they tell salesmen, make all the cold calls you can to get a no. Don't look for the yes, look for the no. Make sure you get as many no's as possible. And they become more resilient. And then eventually when they do get a yes, it's a, a shock. <laughs> I was looking for the no. But then they get the yes and it's like, wow, 
and then they're in a better mood. But the idea is it's not just to build up resilience and desensitization. It's to get them focused on being accepting of what they fear. If you can get to a place where you're accepting of the things that you fear, if you're accepting those things in your life, then you learn how to process them easier. So when they become prevalent in your life, you can handle it. Because life isn't about removing the challenges. It's about being the person you need to be to get through the challenges. Because challenges never end. There's always something coming down the line that you'll need to face. But the good news is that challenges get easier and easier to process inside of you as you become more adept and competent in doing so. So let me bring this full circle back to this review. Last thing I want to say is thank you. Thank you, Torres Familia. (laughs) Thank you for writing this. I honor your opinion of the show. I really do. And if that's how you feel, that's okay. You don't have to come back. And the sad thing is you'll never hear this (laughs) unless somebody knows you. Because you told them that you wrote this awful review about this awful show that was entirely underwhelming. And if that's the case, I wish you the best. And thank you so much for sharing with me your honest opinion. Hey, I may or may not agree with it, but that's not the point. The point is you helped me uh, go inside myself and feel what I had to feel and address what I needed to address inside of me. And you gave me an opinion that allows me to explore if what I'm doing with the show is is still helpful to people, or if it's just a lot of fluff. So maybe it is. (laughs) Maybe this show is just one big pile of fluff, and people listen to it anyway just because it makes them happier and empowers them and gets them on a good track in life. I don't know. (laughs) Okay, now I'm being a little sarcastic. No, but seriously, thank you, and let's get to the next segment called Ask Paul and Answer Our Listeners' Questions. Be right back. All right, Asha is back with us. She is an independent associate for Legal Shield. You can reach her by going to getoutofthemess.com. And uh, if you don't know what Legal Shield is, it's basically a legal service that you can access uh, almost any time to ask questions, do contract reviews, find out if you have a case against somebody or if they have a case against you. It's really just an extremely, extremely helpful, affordable legal service with some top-notch attorneys on your side. So Asha says she wanted to talk about a woman that wrote to her that um, has kids, but she is not the primary custodian. She's going to get into it right now, so I'll let her go with this. Asha, take it away. So recently, I had a great question. I had a woman call me. She wants to include her children on her legal shield plan, which is great, especially if they are of driving age or in college, because let's face it, kids get in trouble sometimes, and they might need a little bit of legal assistance, and you might need them to have that legal assistance on hand for emergency. So her question to me was, well, I'm not the primary custodian of my kids. Can I still put them on my plan, even though they live with my ex? And the answer is yes. As long as you are a legal guardian for those kids in any capacity, you can add them to your plan. You don't have to be the primary custodian with them 
living with you. And as long as they are in school, um, even once they're in college, you can still include them on your plan. And you just pay for the family plan rate, which is usually about $2 more than the regular. So somewhere around $22, $23 a month, $24 a month, somewhere in that range, depending on what state you're in. Um, so anyway, I thought that was a great question. It doesn't come up very often, but uh, if you're in that situation, please feel free to get your kids on your plan and, and that will be a good thing to do. And if you want to learn more, you have questions or you just want to sign up, please go to getoutofthemess.com and you can see my number on that page. You can give me a ring, uh, 678-355-8777 or just leave me a message through the page. All right, welcome back. This is the Ask Paul segment. This is where I read a listener email on the air and do my best to help them with their challenge. Here's this email from someone I'm going to call Mary. Hi, Paul. I listen to your podcast every night before bed. I think my brain has associated the sound of your voice with drifting off to sleep. (laughs) I'm also constantly repeating old podcasts to make the lessons stick. Thank you. I'm 26 years old, and for six years, I've been suffering with invisible illness, disability, and chronic pain. I've been diagnosed with Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome, syndrome. I hope I pronounced that right, Complex Regional Pain Syndrome, and I have an early onset, onset of osteoarthritis and severe joint degeneration in my knees. This has caused severe muscle wastage and musculoskeletal problems. I won't bore you with the details. The short story is that I'm a great deal of pain and the damage has caused disability. As a 20-year student studying dance full-time at university when this began, you can imagine how difficult this journey has been. Going from an active lifestyle to one where standing and walking causes debilitating pain is the hardest thing I've ever done. Due to these circumstances, I live with my dad. I'm unemployed and surviving on the disability pension. This is hard enough to deal with, but because my illnesses are invisible, my friends and family don't understand it. I look like a fit and healthy 26-year-old. I get abused if I use the disabled parking. Friends don't understand why I can't come to a venue if it's upstairs. And I'm embarrassed to tell people I'm unemployed and living at home, even though I have a legitimate reason. So I lie. Whilst friends my age are traveling the world getting married, having babies, and living their 20s to the fullest, I have missed out on my 20s and I'm scared I'm going to miss out on even more. I've always defined myself by my ability to be active and perform on stage. So as an ex-fitness freak and adrenaline junkie, I've never been able to adjust to living inside this broken body. Despite spending thousands of dollars on treatments, hospital stays, pain relief, and physiotherapy, I'm yet to achieve my goal of becoming functional and pain-free. So I have two questions. One, how can I get over the shame of living in a body that society deems undesirable, weak, and a burden? How do I cope and find self-worth in a society that values productivity and performance above all else? How can I reduce the embarrassment of living at home even though my health problems are not my fault? And number two, all I've ever wanted to do is work, save, travel, repeat. To live out of a backpack completely independent from material possessions, to see the world and experience something new every day. I'm somewhat of a free spirit. I crave adventure and independence. 
Unfortunately, I'm now burdened with a body that requires constant medical treatment. It limits my independence and daily living is a challenge, let alone trekking through Nepal. I will keep fighting for the active life I once had. I will keep fighting to become strong enough to work and travel. However, in the meantime, how can I find peace, self-worth, and happiness when I'm unable to live a life that is authentic to myself, my goals, and my dreams? I apologize for the long-winded message. I truly appreciate that you receive thousands of emails, and I think it's very gracious that you do your best to reply to every single person. Any insights you have to offer, no matter how brief, will be extremely appreciated. With gratitude, Mary. All right, Mary, if that's your real name. (laughs) I'm kidding. I made up that name. Yes, thank you for sharing all of this with me. And I understand you are in a position that a lot of us will never be in, or at least not until we're older, much older, and we might have a condition or two that comes in and starts to debilitate us in some way but you're in your 20s how is this happening to someone your age and so young and i get that and there's a lot of conflict inside of you right now you want to be able to do these things and you can't so you know first of all thank you for sharing all this i realize putting into words what you're going through probably still doesn't convey the amount of uh, challenge in your life right now So let's get to your questions. Knowing your background here, um, there's a point in time for you, and this is going to be my opinion. It's not going to be set in stone, but you wanted my insights, and I'm going to give them to you. I'm going to be straight up, not have been in a place to experience what you're experiencing now. I have experienced chronic pain for about 15 years. It was a sciatic nerve pain that I finally got surgery and I was able to get through. So I do know what chronic pain feels like, but not debilitating chronic pain, although it did get pretty bad, but not to the point what you're talking about, especially when, like you said, society sees you and they see a quote, perfectly normal, healthy human being. What's the problem? Why are you parking in the disabled parking spot? Why can't you come upstairs to this party with our friends? All these Uh, societal pressures that are put on you. So there's an aspect and perception of life that you have that I don't. So when you hear me give these opinions, they're not going to be in the same space you're in. But that's good news. (laughs) That's good news because you might need to hear something from someone that isn't along the lines of, you're going to be okay. Just keep fighting. Just keep doing what you're doing and stay positive. I don't think you want to hear that. In fact, I bet you're probably sick of it. Just stay positive. I mean, that's why I create this show because we get sick of hearing these same things over and over again. And from good intention to people, don't get me wrong, but uh, it's not what we need to hear. So I'm going to say things that maybe I believe you need to hear but you may not like. (laughs) So first things first, you have a debilitating condition that is causing you to limit the things that you can do in life. This is a fact. And what I want you to do with this fact 
is stop fighting it. Stop resisting that your body is doing this. Stop fighting for what you're fighting for. You use the word fighting, so I'm using it back on you. Stop fighting your body. Stop fighting yourself to be more than you can be right now. Yes, this is a disability. And guess what? It may be this way for the rest of your life. Now, I don't want to leave you in this negative space. (laughs) There's a point to this. Yes, there's pain, but there doesn't have to be suffering. Yes, this may never change. And you could fight until you can't fight anymore, until you're so exhausted. And then you can look back and go, wow, I fought for years and years and years and never took a moment to enjoy what I could. I don't know if you're doing that or not. But I do know that there's a lot of spirit in you in the sense of you have a lot of gusto and and motivation to get back into this athletic and animated person that you once were, at least in the physical sense, in your body. I know it's in there. You have a fire inside of you. But what you're doing is you keep trying to light charred wood. You keep trying to light things that are have already been engulfed in flames and they won't light anymore. Because when you apply this flame to something that doesn't light anymore and you keep flicking your bick, <laughs> keep trying to light that lighter and it won't light, then you keep fighting and you keep struggling and you keep resisting what is today. That doesn't mean it's going to stay that way. It just means you come to an acceptance of where you are today. And let me give you a little story. And if you listen every night and fall asleep (laughs) to this show, then you've probably heard this. But my story is after my divorce, I stayed until the end of my lease at our condo. She already left. And um, I moved back to New Hampshire. And then I stayed with family for almost a year. That family was my mom. I stayed with her. I hadn't seen her in years, and it was the first time that I've actually been with her without a toxic stepfather in the house. And man, we got along great. We got along great. I was able to really get some good feelings about my mom again because so-and-so wasn't in the house. That guy, that drunk stepfather guy (laughs) that used to be in my life. And her abusive, now ex-husband, he wasn't there. So I chose to stay with my mom. And guess what? I felt the same way. I'm like, oh my God, people are going to think I'm kind of strange being this 40-plus-year-old guy staying with his family, staying with his mom. Who is this basement dweller? (laughs) But I came to an acceptance of it in myself that this is how it is. And this is how it could be for years and years. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen. But I chose to stay with her for several reasons. And I was just able to reconnect with my mom in a way that I hadn't in so long. But at the time, I was embarrassed. Shouldn't a 40-plus-year-old guy have enough resources to find his own place and be on his own? 
it's possible I could have gotten my own place and gotten work somewhere and just started uh, living my life again. But no, I chose to do that. But I have a feeling that uh, that wouldn't have worked out because if I didn't find a job, then I would probably lose that place. I mean, it's a whole backstory. But the point is that I stayed with my mom. So now I have this um, embarrassing thing, 40-year-old guy staying with his mom. (laughs) So here you are staying with your dad. My first question is, who cares? I mean, seriously, who cares? In your 20s, you might have some peer pressure, like, oh my God, you stay with your dad? Oh, what's wrong with you? What's your problem? So what? <laughs> who cares? There, there has to be a level of acceptance in where you are right now. So you know what? I stay with my dad, whatever. Who cares? You stay with your dad, what's your problem? What do you mean? You can tell them the story or you, you don't have to. But good friends will go, oh, okay, no problem. They're not going to think twice. They're not going to care. They might ask questions, but good friends will stick by you. Maybe not so good friends will be like, oh, you're too weird for me. And then they'll go away. I guess it depends on who you want in your life. Those who accept your current situation or those who don't. Who do you want in your life? So there's that. So on top of that, when I was living with my mom, this was shortly after my divorce and I thought I was going to start dating again. So I got online and I went onto the online dating sites and I met some people online and never met in person. And then I was like, what am I doing? I'm not ready to date. I should just get off these dating sites and just spend time with myself. So I did. I was signing off the dating sites. And the day before I signed off one of them, I met who is now my current girlfriend. But when we met, I sent her a note saying, look, I'm getting off these dating sites. I don't want to date. In fact, I just got divorced. I don't have much money left. I'm trying to build a business. And I I live with my mom. So if you still want to talk, great. If not, I wish you the best. (laughs) It was direct, bold, and in her face. And the response I got was totally opposite of what I expected. She put, LOL, (laughs) it's refreshing to meet someone so honest. And from that point on, we developed a great friendship. And, you know, the story goes on in another episode that I talk about it. But the idea was that um, I brought my true situation, I brought my true self to the table to find out who was going to accept this new person I was. I'm getting divorced, I'm going through healing, and, you know, I wasn't like a totally new person, but I was, I had to change. I had to go through this transition and I had to be vulnerable because people who stick around after you tell them your vulnerabilities, they're the ones that are going to stick around in the long haul. Those are the type of people that you want to surround yourself with. When I was talking to my girlfriend before she became my girlfriend, she really connected with me because I was honest. I was authentic. I wasn't trying to hide who I was. The day you start hiding who you are, even if you're not proud of who you are, the day you start hiding is the day struggle and suffering begins. And I want you to remember that because the more you hide of where you are in your life right now, the more conflict and resistance you'll get in the world and the more conflict and resistance you'll get in yourself. So yes, you're in pain. 
That doesn't mean you're going to talk to your friends about all the pain you're in all the time and make it really dramatic. It's just something that you have to learn to live with. Hopefully they make drugs or there's something that you can do to get out of the pain every now and then. Um, I don't know what the struggle is there, but um, it's not something that you're going to bring into conversation all the time. You just It is a part of your life. Just like people who aren't in pain all the time, they're not talking about all the pain they're not in. It's a different scenario, of course, because when you're in pain, it's active. You feel it. You're going through it. But, you know, you don't make it part of the conversation. You just, you have it and you have to deal with it. So that's neither here nor there. You probably don't do that. But the idea is to bring yourself to the table. Don't hide this person that you might not feel so good about. You might even be embarrassed by. Don't hide that person. Because who are they going to get to know? The person that you're presenting to them, that you think they want to see, or that you're trying to portray something that is not you at this time, or the real you. So that when you park in a disabled parking spot, they don't come up with all these questions. Or when they invite you to a party, they don't come up with all these questions. Because they know you well enough. Because here's what happens. As you hide yourself more and more, they're going to assume that you're not being truthful in a lot of areas of life. When you're truthful, when you're in integrity with yourself, and you put that out into the world, people now know what they have to work with. You're bringing yourself to the table. You may not like it. You may be angry about it. But it's still you. Where you are now, it is you. And don't get me wrong. I've told you to accept this as if it was going to be you for the rest of your life. This level of acceptance, if you really adopt it, and you say to yourself, this is going to be the way I am the rest of my life. You can say, I hate that. I hate it. I don't want it. But at least go, but you know what? It's probably going to be the way it is. So I either have to accept it and start enjoying what I can or not accept it and resist it for the rest of my life. But with that, this is where I'm taking you, is that when you come to acceptance, it doesn't mean you stop seeking help or improvement in your life. It just means you stop fighting it. Because this is where life gets worse, is when you fight what you are You struggle with where you are in life. When you start resisting what's happening to you, it's like you're becoming enemies with yourself. And that's hard. If you said to yourself, I hate you for what you're doing to me, or you said to your body, I hate you for what you're doing to me, guess who's not going to be as cooperative next time you want uh, something to happen? I know this sounds a bit uh, esoteric or a little out there, but this is all you. When you have this thing that you're trying to resist that a part of you is going through, you can either go along for the ride for now, still looking for solutions, still looking for ways to improve yourself, but knowing that your body is doing things that you don't agree with, but okay, if this is what needs to happen with you, great. Because resistance builds more resistance and struggle. And struggle is suffering. I know that doesn't make the pain go away, but it might help. 
uh, in the sense that when there's less resistance in your body, then you actually get along with parts of yourself that you didn't before. Again, this is a little out there. But if you get to this place of acceptance, then you can start making different decisions to make life better. Yes, you want to live out of a backpack and travel the world. I believe that's wholly possible. I mean, I've seen people on YouTube and in movies that have disabilities that would seem to stop anyone, yet they still accomplished things. But they did it because they came to an acceptance of where they are in life today. Because that was the only way they could do it. How can I work with what I got? Instead of trying to fight where I am today, how can I work with it? For example, I saw a um, one-legged skateboarder on YouTube yesterday. (laughs) Think about this. A one-legged skateboarder. How does he do it? And I watched it in awe. Not only was he skateboarding, he was flipping the board and doing tricks. Look it up. (laughs) It's pretty cool. And uh, he, he figured it out. He figured out a way to work with that disability. So, you know, bravo. It is possible. Anything's possible. But you might be thinking, but I'm in chronic pain. I'm not just missing a limb. I can't even move my limbs sometimes because they hurt so much. All I'm saying is that step one is to accept that this is the condition that you have today. It may last forever. That doesn't mean it's going to. It just means you have to get to this place where the resistance stops. You have to stop resisting it so you can get to the next step. Because as you resist it, that's all you'll focus on. I'm going to fight this till the end. And I love that spirit. I love that chutzpah, I think you'd say, (laughs) gusto. But don't make it a lifelong mission to fight it. Always seek to improve yourself. Always seek paths that help you feel better. But don't do it in a way that you fight it. Don't have any type of conflict or resistance in yourself, even if you don't like it. Because here's something else that I'll say that'll probably not be agreeable to you or other people. It's okay to hate yourself. (laughs) Not all the time and not permanently, but it's okay to come to a place of just, I hate that this happened to me. I hate that this is going on in my life. It's okay to hate. I had to come to that realization with my stepfather. I, I came to the realization it was okay to hate him. And when I came to that full acceptance of hating him, I stopped hating him. I went past the point of where I thought I shouldn't go. I got to the point of, wow, I can't, I'm not supposed to hate. And then I got past the point, I do hate him, which blew my mind because I didn't think I was capable of hating. And then suddenly I do. And then the hate went away because I resisted hating. If you resist something, it persists, it continues. So this is where I'm taking you, Mary. This doesn't fix all your problems. In fact, you may not even like what I had to say. But I think if you want that free spirit back, then you have to free yourself of this resistance inside of you and this fight inside of you. It doesn't mean giving up. In fact, it's the opposite. Acceptance means, okay, this is what I have to work with. Great. What can I do? Acceptance brings you to a new space inside yourself so that you can start thinking about what you can do. And you may have already had these thoughts. I understand that. But maybe you haven't 
taken on the idea that this will never end. I'm not saying that's true. I'm saying you come to an acceptance that it's true. You adopt it. Make it true in your mind. So the fighting stops. So the resistance stops. And then maybe some of the pain will stop. That's out there. (laughs) That's kind of woo-woo. But I do believe that the mind and body are integrated. And what comes to mind can come to body. So it's worth doing. It's worth being in that space. I highly believe that the first step you need to take is to be completely honest about where you are with everyone in your life and see who sticks around, see who supports, and see who leaves. You're going to find out pretty quick who is a real supporter of where you're at and see who believes you. There may be people who don't believe you, and that's fine too. You can't convince anyone of anything. You can just be yourself. And if that's where you are, then that's where you are. And will you ever get back on stage? Will you ever dance again? You know, nobody can answer that. But at least take the first step so that you can come to a place where anything is possible. I believe it's possible. I believe that the body learned how to build muscle, build your bones, um, create new cells. I believe that anything is possible with the body and that with the right mindset, it can help facilitate it. I am not a doctor. (laughs) What I am telling you is not medical advice. Keep seeing the right people, the doctors, the professionals, everyone you're seeing, because they're there to help you get through the physical stuff and help you with pain control and things like that. I'm just helping you with the emotional state that you're in. And I do know from my own experience that whatever you're trying to hold back inside of you, maybe it's a belief that this will never go away. If you're trying to hold that back, it's going to work against you. So I believe that you're going to go through some challenges here, and as you are already, but there is a way to do it that's not so difficult. Yes, it's more difficult than a lot of us are going through right now, but it doesn't have to be as difficult as maybe you're making it. Again, this is my perspective where I am not in chronic pain So I hope this comes across as the respect that I have for you and your journey ahead. I know you can do this. And as a final, final, final little thought, always remember there are other things you can do on stage. If you really like that spotlight and you're not able to do the the dancing that you once did or the activities that you once did, maybe you can find something else. Just a thought. I just want to leave you with that. Thank you again, Mary. We'll be right back. All right, every week I tell you about the TOB patron program, and sometimes I talk about my coaching and things like that. I think you all know I'm a personal empowerment coach. You can just go to my website and click on Get Coaching and get a free 15-minute consultation with me if you're interested in uh, going further inside uh, some of the issues or challenges that you have. Just go to my website, theoverwhelmedbrain.com, and click on Get Coaching. And as far as the TOB Patron Program, this is where I have group coaching sessions. There are several levels in the plan, so... You can join in on the bronze and the 
silver and the gold and platinum sounds like a credit card club. <laughs> it's not, I swear. But uh, if you're interested in that, at the bronze level, you can get uh, a lot of mini episodes that I put out there. I just recently put up an episode where I was interviewed on uh, some of the things in my life and how I started the overwhelmed brain and some of the processes that I use not only on the show, but in coaching. So it's a little bit behind the scenes stuff if you're interested in that. But there's a lot of uh, episodes that I put on uh, that site uh, about stuff that you won't hear over here. So if you want more of what we talk about here, but it goes into depth, that might be the program that you're looking for. And of course, if you're part of any uh, level in the TOB patron program, uh, we're going to have just a group hangout once every, I don't know, six weeks, seven weeks, eight weeks. I haven't decided uh, best yet, but we just had our first one that turned into a talk about passion. I mean, are we supposed to have passion before we have the motivation to do things? And of course, my thought was, wait a minute, I don't have passion for things that I start, and passion usually develops later, after I start it, if I like what I'm doing. So I'm the type of person that when I'm passionate about something and I start it, it can fizzle out pretty fast. It's like the fire that I was running with suddenly went out. So I had no more fire. I had no more passion. And I realized, wow, when I'm passionate about something and I do it, I don't always stick with it. So I've learned to just start doing things that I'm not necessarily passionate about just to see if I get passionate about it. And more times than not, that's what happens is I learn what I'm passionate about by doing things that I don't necessarily have one opinion on or another or something like that. So the TLB Hangouts are for anyone in the patron program. But of course, we get into the group coaching sessions for the Platinum members, which are just you know awesome. We have someone coming on in a couple of weeks that is going to talk about narcissistic relationships and how not only she survived one, but how we can survive one. So I really think that uh, you'll enjoy the patron program. Go over to patron.theoverwhelmedbrain.com and look into it. Maybe maybe it's for you. And um, even at the bronze level, like $3 a month, highly affordable, less than a cup of coffee at your favorite coffee shop if you go that route. <laughs> and certainly worth, in my opinion, 10 times that amount. Check it out, patron.theoverwhelmedbrain.com. I hope to see you on the inside. All right, just a real quick note before we end the show, and it has to do with another email I received. Um, I did a follow-up email with someone and asked if uh, this person was still together uh, with this, another person that was very toxic to her. There's a lot of things that happened. I won't get into the details, but um, she feels almost embarrassed that she hasn't moved on. And uh, she says, when I do break up with him, I guess she does this sometimes, she says, it always feels temporary. And then some crisis usually happens where I need to beckon his assistance again. And then uh, the, one of the final things that she says is, I don't know if I leave him if I'd find a good man. And that's what I focused on right there is that if you fear leaving someone, I'm not promoting leaving or divorce, but if you're contemplating it and your thought is, if I leave, I might not find someone that's good for me 
or good enough for me, or better than this one. The focus is in the wrong place. Your focus shouldn't be on what might happen and who you might end up with. Your focus should be on what is toxic in my life today and how do I get rid of this toxic thing, this toxic energy, this toxic person? How do I get rid of toxicity in my life? That needs to be the focus. How do I get toxic things out of my life so that, and I'm going to use a metaphor, so that I'm sober and available for non-toxic things in my life? Because I guarantee you one thing, the more you keep toxic things and people in your life, the less healthy things and people will come into your life. This is the law of Paul. (laughs) The more you keep toxic people in your life, the less you'll have healthy people come into your life. So just like my stepfather, my stepfather was in my mom's life for over 40 years. Guess why I rarely visited her? If you don't know the answer, (laughs) you're not listening. No, you know the answer because he's there. I don't want to visit if he is there. He's toxic. She knows it. I know it. The the entire family knows it. So we rarely went over. As soon as he left, I lived with her. (laughs) I went to live with her. I wanted to see her and, and be with her and find out who she was without this toxic person in her life. As soon as she got the toxic person out of her life, she got happier. She got healthier. She was more fun to be around. And she's in a great space now. Yes, the finances changed. Her household changed. The things that she had to do, her chores, I guess for lack of a better term, (laughs) her household chores had to change. Everything about her life really had to change. But the toxicity was gone. That's where the focus needs to be. Keep this toxicity away from you. If you can. I know sometimes it's, It seems impossible, but sometimes you have to make impossible choices to get rid of this toxicity. I quit a toxic job when my only alternative was to be back at the soup kitchen. I quit a job that was paying me money and returned to the soup kitchen because it was so toxic to me. It was compromising my values. I was out of alignment with my integrity and what I wanted for myself. So I got rid of it. I got rid of this toxic thing and I went right back to the soup kitchen, which wasn't toxic. It was just a a means to an end. It was helping my wife and I at the time get fed. But had I kept that toxic thing in my life, I never would have been looking or available for the next job that came around that I loved. And that's what I mean. This stuff happens all the time. As soon as you get rid of toxic Uh, people and things from your life, you open yourself up to healthier alternatives that won't be bad for you. You have to get to that place. And the only way to get to that place is to take big steps. You might be comfortable being uncomfortable in that toxic place, but it's time to get a little uncomfortable and get toxicity out of your life. Yes, it's like weaning off the drugs. It's like weaning off the alcohol This is the same idea is like you have an addiction to something that's bad for you. 
So we need to wean off this addiction or just go cold turkey and make it happen. I understand it's hard, but I just want you to change the philosophy, change the focus. Don't think about what you may or may not get because of it. Just focus on what's happening today, how you feel today, how you feel now, and look at the toxic people and things in your life and ask yourself, do I want to keep it this way or do I want to change? Don't think about the far future that may or may not happen because we paint stories of procrastination so we don't have to do the hard stuff today. Don't paint those stories. Just focus on today. That's all I got. (laughs) Thanks for listening today. Let's end the show and I'll give you my final thoughts in a minute. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. Let's all clap and thank Asha. (laughs) She's with GetOutOfTheMess.com. She sponsors this show. So if you're looking for peace of mind, knowing that you can just call an attorney to ask almost any question, anytime, adding on top of that that supporting her supports The Overwhelmed Brain, then contact her. Asha with GetOutOfTheMess.com. She'll connect you with the freedom to be comfortable no matter what life sends your way. If you're in the U.S. or Canada, visit GetOutOfTheMess.com or call 678-355-8777. And I want to thank you if you've purchased one of my books or worksheets, or especially if you're using the Amazon link at TheOverwhelmedBrain.com. The Amazon link is the easiest way to give back, so if you've been listening for months, years, eons... (laughs) Use that Amazon link every time you shop. Your shopping habits are making a difference, so thank you. And I want to give a special thank you to, I think I pronounce it, Malik. Malik has donated twice to this show in the past couple weeks, and I appreciate you. Thank you. Very helpful and very generous. Finally, thank you to Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of the music transitions in the overwhelmed brain. And to end the show, I just want to create a little addendum to the very first segment where I talked about that critical reviewer and uh, how that when you put yourself out there, yes, you're going to get uh, people that criticize what you do, even though you have every good intention in the world, even though you're trying your hardest and somebody comes along and says, you're not trying hard enough. I mean, this happens. You're not good enough. You're not worthy enough. You're not worthy of this. People come along and spew their own dysfunction all over us sometimes. And I don't want you to take that personally. I know you do. (laughs) I do. It happens. So when it happens, when we take something personally, let's go through the process of reminding ourselves that what someone perceives in us is something that they need to process in themselves. Because I guarantee you, even if the most enlightened person saw something about you that they didn't like, they're not going to tell you about it. They're not going to say a word. Typically, enlightened people won't see things that they don't like about other people because they realize that everyone has their own path to follow. I mean, this is just 
my definition of enlightened people, <laughs> where they look at someone else and all they see is good and positive. And even when there's bad there, however it's defined, they still see what's good in there. It's sort of like the end of the Star Wars trilogy where Luke looks at his father behind the Darth Vader mask and says, I can feel the good in you. I can feel it. I think it's a very enlightened viewpoint. If you can look at someone and still see some good, that's a very enlightened viewpoint. That doesn't mean they're healthy for you. That doesn't mean they won't be toxic in your life. That doesn't mean you have to keep them in your life. Because you can see the good from afar. (laughs) I can see the good in my stepfather from afar. I see a lot of toxicity in there too. But I can still see some of the good. I know that he had a bad childhood. He must have. How did he develop some of his dysfunctions? It's not just the alcohol that causes the behavior that he's had over the years. He must have had bad things happen to him in order for bad things to happen to other people when they're near him. It's just the way it is. It doesn't mean I become accepting of him and bring him back into my life and in my safe zone where I let people in that I trust because I don't trust him. I am accepting of who he is and where he is in life And I know that we will never have a relationship because of what I know of him to be. And that's fine because I can love him from afar. And I'm happy with that. And whether he's happy about that or not doesn't matter. Because it's the best situation for both of us. Because when I'm near him, I can't stand him. (laughs) When I'm near him, I don't like him. I, I see his behavior more and more. I don't like it. So it's not healthy for us to be near each other. But I like him when he's not here. Great. I would rather have that. That way there's no negativity in me. There's no resistance. There's no conflict. So just remember that. There's going to be people that you don't like. There's going to be people that don't like you. And that's fine. That has to be the way of things. That is the way of life. Great. Someone doesn't like me. What do I do with that? When you are judged or feel judged, It's their own thing. It's their problem. Look at it this way. You know how a movie projector works? It takes film and places what's on the film on a screen. You know, a couple hundred feet away maybe. Now, when what's on the screen offends you, like say someone's hurting a child, and you're like, oh, I'm very offended by this. This is an awful scene. Do you blame the movie screen? And do you look at the wall and go, that wall is terrible. Or do you blame the projector? Or do you blame the film? Or do you go back and blame the director? I mean, there's so many levels to this. But the idea is to see a person that is projecting on you what's inside of them. A person projects their thoughts, their judgments onto you, making you the subject. But that doesn't mean you're the problem. It doesn't mean that what they're saying is true. If you are the wall and you're getting the movie projected onto you, you're not the problem. You're not the bad thing. They are. They're the one projecting it. I mean, they're not bad, so to speak, but their judgment is coming from them. It's inside of them. What they project onto you is not true. It's inside of them. And even if an inkling of what they said is true, 
and you feel it and you go, oh my God, he's right about that. I never thought about that. It's still a chance for you to explore it in yourself and process it and release it. I know, releasing, it's so easy to release this stuff. <laughs> I know it's not easy. Keep listening to the show and you will be able to do it. And how do you do it? You open your mind and step into your power and be firm in your decisions and actions so that you can create the life you want. Always take steps to grow and evolve. You are powerful beyond measure. And above all, and this is something I absolutely know to be true about you, you are amazing. Amazing.